Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Morning, Charged Up Studio listeners, and welcome back to another episode where you get charged up for success. I'm Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. And today we've got a very exciting podcast for you. I don't know about you, but the topic of communication in the workplace has resonated with me for probably a number of years of corporate engagement with peers and colleagues, especially when dealing in the melting pot that is the U.S. And I'm sure many of you can relate to this subject as well. So today, we have with us a linguist, historian, and anthropologist by background who has been presenting, training, and educating in various languages about language as a human phenomenon for over 40 years. She is a lover of all languages and cultures. In living out that passion, she's been privileged to teach, supervise, and train in multiple languages, as well as write and work for multiple world language educational publishing companies. Through her company, Fluency Consulting LLC, she has coached winning speech art teams trained presenters and speakers, and taught hundreds of people, young and old, not only new languages, but the critical skills of communicating clearly to others in speech and writing. She's called the Certified Gallup Strengths Coach, also known for her motivating, empowering presentations and workshops, and for building up individuals and teams to success and vigor. Her focus on and respect for others combined with her energy and skills has brought her awards for excellence and service in business and in the world language educational and publishing fields. Please welcome Nora Jones to our podcast today. Good morning, Dana. It's a pleasure to be here and I really appreciate that uh, that warm introduction, that was very cool to listen to that and to know, again, very you, accomplished. Yes. Well, very that's what happens when you have something for over 40 years, you finally yes. start feeling like you get it, I think. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So I'm so glad you're here with us today. And I believe that the time for understanding and broadening our communication style within the business environment is critical right now. Uh, with the onset of COVID and the economic move to a more global market, our ability to cross cultures and communicative barriers is imperative to our success, both in business and in our personal lives. Where have you seen the most impact your work has made since the beginning of the pandemic? 
Since the beginning of the pandemic, what an interesting uh, question indeed. I would say that the most important thing that I have found with regard to my work is that in twofold. One is that from a point of view of what those that are engaged in the language learning enterprise are about, be they students in classrooms, adults gaining new language, folks that are taking courses as part of their company's processes, that they have gotten a new vision of what proficiency is. Historically speaking, proficiency took a back seat educationally to grammar and to the structures of language studied as a topic. Uh, for years, I've been attempting to, <laughs> in my workshops, talk about the fact that language is a tool, a human tool. It's a mystery still how we have language, and it's the tool for understanding the world and everything in it, including all of the things that we call areas of disciplinary study or work. And mm -hmm. from COVID, we've had a sense now in the educational world that we have urgency to help students to learn quickly. We don't have the kind of lackadaisical time, not that we ever had it, frankly, but we don't have a sense of this lazy river time to go and take years and years for students to be able to begin to speak to one another. And the impact therefore of speaking about proficiency has changed since COVID. And then in a broader way, Dana, the whole urgency of language and cultural understanding, not taking things for granted with regard to how the world interacts, and especially in those areas in which we would like to be able to share information, share mm -hmm. research, share learning, share skills, that's been problematic historically without language and cultural understanding. And right. folks are starting to get that, especially when their health is at stake. Very good, very good. Yeah, no, um, you know, if we, if we bring this scope in to the business environment, okay, mm -hmm. what you just said from what I heard was basically not only understanding the, that there is a difference, not only in culture, but in the communication styles between different countries and different ethnicities, okay? Uh -huh. But also it appeals to um, a, a global uh, client environment when that client feels as though they can call in to an American company and know, okay, there's somebody there that speaks my language. Absolutely. Uh, yes. One of the things that has happened historically uh, in the United States, and of course, this is everything that I say is a, 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 a statement that is broad and has exceptions. But right. in the United States, we have fewer than 20% of our population is learning a language, whereas 97% and beyond in say, Europe have yeah. learned another language. We have felt that in doing business, that we could have people speak English mm -hmm. and that because of our role in the world, culturally as well, right. 
that we were in fine shape. But of course, what this means is that we've ceded the playing field to everybody else. Right. Not understanding their culture, we have not provided a sense of being connected to them in a way that helps to win them over as customers, mm -hmm. as clients, or as business partners. By not learning their language, we have not learned how it is that we can make them feel as if right. they are being honored and respected. That's huge in business as it is, of course, for individuals right. and families and everything else. Exactly, exactly. So um, as we move forward, let's get a little bit more of a sense of who Nora is, okay? okay. So what leader has the most positive influence in your daily life? What leader? Is that what you asked, my friend? What leader has, I would say, oh my goodness sakes, that's an excellent question. It strikes me that there are so many powerful leaders that take a look at the cultural humanity aspects and try to speak the language, if you will, of compassion, of respect, and of learning. Constant desire to learn about what others are thinking. So, for example, I enjoy from a spiritual point of view, uh, people like the Dalai Lama, like uh, Pope Francis, and others that have a worldview that has joy about connectedness. Mm -hmm. I enjoy world leaders that bring in skill sets of what I perceive to be smarts and inclusion, like uh, Angela Merkel of Germany. I think that those are the kinds of political and societal leaders that come to my mind first. After this podcast, I'll no doubt ponder over approximately 12 <laughs> more that I probably should have said. But anytime folks come with a global sense to their right. spirit, I, I glom onto them. So if you were to use three words to best describe these people that, you know, have contributed to your life or your beliefs, what would those words be? Self-confident in the deepest sense, respectful, and full of integrity. So um, let's talk a little bit more about the leadership aspect, okay? What is the key leadership gift that you believe everybody should have? Well, I'm, I may be repeating myself in ways that seem disappointing to you, but the key leadership uh attribute that I believe everything, everything flows from is respect. Yes. Respect provides an opportunity for the leader to be truly prepared to both understand what they're leading, why they're leading, and how others play a role in the whole community that a leader implies. Uh, it, it implies the word Respect implies an understanding of humanity and a compassion about humanity and its imperfections, including one's own self. And it also implies that when you're having a meeting, for example, when you're having a, a talk with an individual in business, for example, that you are prepared with 
objectives and with rationales that will include their input, will imply the opportunity for people to learn and grow together, including the leader, and that the leader is part of, not the controller of, the behavior of the group as a whole to accomplish their mission and objectives. So how do you spot leaders? How do I spot leaders? The first thing that I'm looking for when I walk into a room, is there a person that is standing, for example, with a relaxed and happy attitude, not arrogant, not boastful? They can almost see it and feel it because, of course, part of linguistics, part of language are the metalinguistic behaviors, the posture of openness that a person displays that demonstrates that they're vulnerable, which in turn demonstrates a self-confidence that's based not on braggadocio, but rather on true integrity and character. So I look for folks that look like they are enjoying being with other human beings and enjoying being part of the group rather than controlling the group, although they contribute to it. Another thing that I look for in a leader is excellent listening skills. If I'm in a group, I'm watching the person that's listening intently, commenting appropriately based on what's going on, and providing insights and real help where it's needed to accomplish the objectives that everybody knows are are on the table or are trying to figure out. So a relaxed stance and an openness to listen to that, to hear that. And then again, the confident kind of speech, not arrogant, but confidence that comes from being ready to change one's mind or to grow at any moment. That's how I spot a leader, so at least initially. I would imagine that um, communication styles can even be overcome to a degree by the visual and verbal communications. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you a little quick story, which has to do tremendously with that. I had a superior, fun, welcoming linguistics professor for several years at an institution. He was excellent. I enjoyed every minute of him and he was very open. He sat on the top of his desk. He walked around the room. He was connected to us in many different ways. From my final exam, which he provided at a different place, apparently from the class exam, I'm not sure why, he asked if I would come to his office at a particular day and time to take the exam. And I expected a typical type of exam, paper and pencil type of thing. And I walked into his office. And when I came into his office, he was seated behind his large desk, had pushed his chair so that it was a little bit farther from the desk even, and was leaning back in the chair. And um, although he greeted me at the door, he asked me to sit down. And he said, all right, your examination is what's happening. So I described the metalinguistic behaviors that he was using of barriers, of his posture, of his closed uh, arms across his chest, of his leaning back. And the more I talked about the metalinguistic behaviors that were happening and what that did to put me in a subservient and frightened role, 
the bigger his grin got. And then he said that I had passed the linguistics course. Now, I, I think he, I think he also threw me a softball on that one, frankly, Dana, but the fact is that uh, the metalinguistic behaviors are huge. Uh, when I do training for businesses to present, for example, to customers, to present to each other, to present at conferences, the first thing that I have everyone do is to walk towards the front of a room and stand and begin their conversation. And I just, all, all I do for the, I stop them within moments of them starting to talk because the behavior of how to walk into a room, to stand in front of people, to hold one's body that demonstrates uh, that this is going to be an excellent experience that people are going to learn a lot, that they're going to be empowered comes from those first three seconds that people see someone standing in front of them and what they do and how they move in order to project the reality of their confidence level. Interesting you say that because I do a lot of networking and, um, and prior to COVID, Okay. <laughs> yes. When you, you began mentioning about the cultural aspects of this too, is that part of an important learning for businesses is to understand the clientele that they're working with, understand the members of their own force. What body stances are considered to be acceptable uh, for men, for women, either culturally, what movements are considered to be appropriate, which ones potentially to be inappropriate or insulting, even though one does not intend to make any kind of insulting gesture or movement that can add a sense of anxiety or it should. <laughs> That's one reason why learning about these things ahead of time and being aware that they should be learned because as per your beautiful statement, when we come into a room full of people that we don't know, we should try to provide a sense of because of our training, and there's where the respect comes in, leadership at every level, because of our training, that we come in with that same relaxed and prepared attitude as if we were coming into a room full of friends. When I was working down in Brazil um, for four years I was down there, I noticed a distinct difference between cultural communication and cultural styles. Um, at the time that I was down there, the, the first year, I spent just learning the culture so that I could blend in and I could, you know, mm -hmm. show that respect. What I found were the Japanese were coming in and, and trying to move in and, because they were they were trying to get work from the Olympic Games and the big Games. When the Japanese come in with a very rigid, almost demanding atmosphere uh, or, or style, and that turned the Brazilians on immediately. Interesting. So these are the things that, you know, uh, I would think that you'd be able to help these companies determine how they react in situations like Absolutely. It is interesting because you were kind enough to mention that, you know, there's a variety of cultures coming in here, in this case to Brazil, and all, all 
companies that are looking at working with or potentially working with a variety of partners understand that there may or may not be a deep understanding of the culture uh, that they are coming from as they do these interviews, as it were. But just imagine, as you indeed have shared, the difference, the, again, sign of respect that comes from being prepared to come in in a way that is respectful. Uh, I myself was in Japan one time, for example, to visit with our daughter who lived there for several years. And I inadvertently did, I would say probably two disrespectful things that I did not realize were disrespectful. They were small, but it wasn't following the kind of paradigm that those businesses were engaged with. And so I was aware that there was something that was happening that I had not been prepared for. I excused myself because I wasn't there on business per, per se, but it, it's, it's so important that we are paying attention to this and that if we overstep, that we understand that there was, was something to overstep and as quickly as possible, provide for a compensation in some way, I would, by which I mean behaviorally, to stop doing something or to provide some kind of follow-up or whatever is appropriate for that situation. It's the awareness, Dana, right. that I think is especially important here. And I, I believe that with globalization in general, with the COVID connection that helps mm -hmm. us to now understand that we are going to meet to meet across borders by digital meetings in ways right. that we never had expected to go so quickly into that we will, I hope, also speed up the understanding of how we have to train ourselves culturally and linguistically right. to be there for each other. Well, and, and like you said, the, the, the number one thing is to understand there are those differences and not to ignore them. You don't have to acknowledge them, but respect them. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And you so, expect something back too. I mean, we expect, you know, that folks uh, understand us, even just the awareness that cultural difference exists right. means that if someone comes to, let's say us, I will use the, let's say an English speaking business that is not no, say Romanian, but someone comes in and does something to be aware that cultural differences exist among human beings in a way that's deep enough to immediately provide goodwill when one perceives something as seemingly inappropriate and think this might be cultural right? and to be patient with that. Uh, there's so many benefits in understanding that linguistic and cultural variances exist. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, I understand totally. So what is your personal communication style? I love, thank you for asking. I love listening. I have a podcast. Uh, it's about language. And one of the things that I just enjoy doing the most is asking questions that tend to make people go, ooh, that's a toughie. Because of 
the need they have to think about in an exciting way, that which they have not thought about before, after which I listen carefully. And then if I'm doing my thing properly, I ask them another tough question. Uh So Uh I think my communication style, frankly, is is joyous, uh, relaxed. Uh, When I am doing workshops and presentations, I use a lot of energy. I try to speak in I don't mean short sentences, but what I mean are ways where everyone in the room is having an opportunity to understand what I'm saying. If I pick vocabulary, my father came from Croatia and he knew no English when he came as a refugee at age 15. And when he was placed in a school and forbidden to speak Croatian, which happens a lot, he gained, because he was very smart, a lot of upper level vocabulary, which apparently he opened a hole in my head and poured it in. And one of the things about my communication style is that if I use what people jokingly, as we know, refer to as 50 cent words, that I understand that natural human language is very repetitive. I understand that only about 20% of anything that I've said today to you has actually been heard by you even less will actually be remembered if you had to recite it. So that as I do repetition for things that are important and I use different words to say the same thing in an effort to create understanding for all people in the room, no matter what their background is and no matter what their needs are. I'm going to put you on the spot now. Okay. Okay. Uh, You and I have known each other for a little bit. Okay. What would you say my communication style is? You are an open invitation to comment and connect in a way that's absolutely delightful. It's clear that you understand the importance of communication, friendship, and knowledge, and you're inviting others to share what they already know with you early out the gate. And mm-hmm. you're a partner in that by continuously responding to what they're saying and helping them to move what they want to say forward while you also partner by adding information, background, questions. It's a very welcoming style, Dana. That's how I develop my relationships with the people. You know, I, I like them talking about themselves. I Indeed. like them. Uh, that's how I learn about people, you know. Um, I can tell you that when I first started my business, okay, back mm-hmm. in 2009, I came out of the construction industry, the architectural engineering construction industry, which, you know, is very male dominated. Uh-huh. And my communication style came across as very male dominated. And I had several people tell me, you know, Dana, you need to soften up your approach. <laughs> And mm-hmm. I took that to heart. I had to soften up my approach um, because I'm an educator, just like you, okay? I'm an educator, and I love imparting wisdom. And well, you do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes that would come across as like a, a Catholic school nun where she whacks <laughs> you across the, the, the hand with the ruler or shoves it down your back to sit up straight, you know, things like that. And that's not the way to deal with my clients who are solo micro entrepreneurs. You know, 
So it's nice to hear you say that, first of all. Uh, I appreciate it, Nora. Um, but the other thing, it tells me that, okay, I'm on the right track. I still got a long way to go, but I'm on the right track. Yeah. All of us can learn. We should learn. Human, it's a human phenomenon. Language changes constantly. It is mm-hmm. alive. And we help to bring it to life. We help to change it every day that we speak. And it seems to me, Dana, that an important part of your work is still being an architect. You discern, though, whether you're building a skyscraper or a single family home. And as a Gallup coach, also, I take a look at what it is that you bring from your personality into then the responsiveness of how you express that in your language. And no doubt, you have a very strong sense of relator. And when you do, you want to bring people in and see the humility and the respect, again, that you have, Mm -hmm. where you modify what you're saying. Instead of saying, doggone it, I'm going to tell you, and you're just going to have to put up with it. Okay? No. You're like, no, my audience has now changed. I need to be able to open up. I appreciate you. This is you saying, I appreciate you're giving me the cue to loosen up a little bit. That's very powerful. And you know, no, no, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So um, let's see Uh, when you're working with corporations in their training and everything, how do you um, evaluate their effectiveness? When I'm training folks, first of all, we have decided ahead of time, managers and I, uh, how the manager wants their team to sound, feel, act, uh, what kind of measurements they have for success. Is it getting more people out in front of customers? Is it more customer positive response to the even the relationship with the company? Mm-hmm. Is it improved sales right out the gate with people purchasing product that have been presented directly by these folks? So an important part of the training that I do is starting out with separate meetings with the managers mm-hmm. to discern what they consider to be success and growth and where they want to have their team head. Therefore, we sort of have a bit of a list because I always, uh, well, I will say that I encourage heavily, shall I say, Mm -hmm. the managers to be part of this. They need to have skin in the game. When they are in the meetings, then if we see growth in certain areas or we, the manager realizes that based on the experience of communication training and effectiveness of presentation style of wording of approaches to the presentation of product or whatever else is going on, that if they themselves see that they have additional or different goals, then we modify those together by having a conversation. Often these kinds of trainings, I do the managers, as I say, ahead of time, And then afterwards, we have a debrief to see if what they have experienced so far about their objectives have been achieved. And I might add, well, I certainly do add as a consultant, I add ones that they may not have thought of that are based on the interpersonal relationships that will really grow their, when, when we want a business, when we want our business to be the center of choice, we want that to be the first thing that our customers think of 
the center of, of preference, mm -hmm. that that's where I'm headed. How is it so that everybody that hears about this right. company or sees this representative shows up, welcomes them because they know that they're going to get quality, succinct, appropriate, honest, respectful, purposeful communication. Yeah. No, it sounds, it, it sounds very um, uh, pertinent for what we're going through. Companies are, even their own employees are dealing virtually. And, you know, the miscommunication and the styles that are presented across the digital environment, even with American speaking, you know, they can take it the wrong way. If you come across, you know, um, as demanding or something like that, you know, so they need to, you know, you're dealing in a different environment is what it is. That That is an excellent point there to add the very specific aspect of our digital or our remote communications. Uh, we have a history, of course, as human beings of being face-to-face, -face, and there are lots of implications, but there are things going on right now when this conversation with us verbally, mm -hmm. where we are taking turns, we're respecting each other, we're making small utterances that encourage and allow for the growth of the conversation, little mini sounds that keep right. things going that are such an important part of, well, from a linguistic training point of view in learning languages that are sometimes neglected, but are part of what I focus on because they absolutely change right. from what a mentor of mine called from the police interrogation format <laughs> into the conversation format. And certainly right. when we have remote uh, conversations, those items become absolutely right. critical. Well, I know that um, I sat on a, um, as a growth strategist, um, I sat on a panel answering the questions uh, with, a, with a couple of other growth strategists. And I, would compare myself to them a lot of times and, and never felt as though I had met their capabilities. Mm. But what happened was this panel I was sitting on, once the, once the panel was complete, one gentleman came to me and said, Jana, we need to talk. And I'm thinking, oh, what did I do wrong now? Mm. You know, or what did I say <laughs> wrong? And uh, he said, no, he says, let's just go and have some coffee and I sat down with him and I said okay Harry I said you know uh, what's going on and he said no he says you know your poop wow and I said huh and he says you know what you're talking about and I said well Harry I said as a strategist yourself I said I look up to you I said I have a lot of respect for what you what, what you've got to say and he says no he says you know as much as any one of us up there on that panel the difference is that you deliver it in a different way. Interesting. And that that opened my eyes to a lot of things and got rid of a lot of that uh, that doubt I had. That's huge. What you a know, wonderful uh, wonderful affirmation. What did he mean by that? What did he mean about what you brought that made it more interesting and accessible? He, he told me, he said, you deliver it in a way that solo and micro entrepreneurs can understand. Because most growth strategists, when they go in and they work 
you know, with, with corporations, they're dealing with large corporations and they're dealing with big words and things that, you know, um, and, and different um, systems and things like that, that micro and small entrepreneurs, they're not ready for. And they don't understand it. It just goes over their head. And that's where you get to a disrespect aspect. Yes. Because they feel as though you're not meeting what I need. And with me as a growth strategist, I'm meeting them where they're at. So I'm speaking in a language that they understand. I'm not going to say it's dumbing down. It's not dumbing down. No, no. They are learning the same things as any other strategist would teach them. But I'm teaching it to them in a language that they understand and they can speak and actualize. You know? That's that's key. So it is. And it is. No, you're absolutely right. Well, so, you use the word respect again. I, I have to keep coming back. It was respectful. It, it was respectful. It is. No. You know, in world, in, in world language education, Dana, we have uh, the three communication modes uh, of mm-hmm. interpretive, interpersonal, and presentational. Right. And one of the phrases that's part of the educational definition of what interpersonal speaking is, for example, mm-hmm. is negotiation of meaning. Uh, <clears throat> so when you're a presenter... And you present, you are watching for your audience to understand. Right. But what you are really doing as an effective presenter, as you just spoke about, and as you were complimented about, Mm -hmm. is you are watching for and assuring yourself of by interacting with those to whom you're presenting so that you understand that they understand and there is a true negotiation of meeting that started out with you being respectful in preparation and with them signaling to you verbally and behaviorally that they're getting it nicely done. Right. Right. No, it just, it opened my eyes. So (laughs) anyway, we're coming, we're coming to the conclusion of today's podcast And Nora will be joining me for a free informational webinar on August 12th at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And it's entitled, Can You Hear Me Now? So for more information and to register, go to marketademy.academy forward slash event calendar. Um, Or you can click on the link that's going to be in the uh, text part of this podcast, where whichever platform you're listening to. So any last words you want to give us, Nora? Dana, I would like to make sure that I thank you for what you are doing with regards to bringing clear, respectful communication into the marketplace. It is absolutely essential, in my opinion, in my life's work, that language is understood as making all the difference in the world in individuals' lives, in the groups to which they belong, and in today's world to our survival itself, not to be too dramatic. So Mm -hmm. those that are engaged in enterprise, please understand the importance of that miracle of language and all that you do, uh, because we're all in this together. So thank you. Thank you, Dana. 
All right. Very good. Uh, so again, this is Dan Oliva with uh, Marketatomy LLC. Uh, please leave reviews on whatever podcast platform you are listening um, about this podcast. Um, again, look forward to talking to you again next week. Dana Oliva with Charged Up Studio. Go and have a charged up week. And you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.